You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. Lock it on to the best station on the net, online, around Around the planet, planet, on the the World World Wide Wide Web, Web. streaming 24-7, internet radio. And welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 111-111. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. Hey, guys. How you doing tonight? Doing great. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Uh, prayers out to Trish tonight. Yes. She had to have some uh, surgery done. On her wrist, I think it was. On her wrist. Oh, man. Yeah. So um, prayers go out to her for a speedy and painless recovery. Amen to that. Uh, that is the hope. And we miss her. Yeah. Um, Godspeed to her. And um, how's your week been, Mikey? Riding the wave. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got more than that. I know you do. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> you know, I read the Bible every night. And last night I just happened to start in Job. In the first chapter of Job. And I read through it and it was a slap in the face all along the way. And, wow, trying to correct some things that came out of it, and it wasn't a good day. <laughs> well, like we were talking about earlier, just remember the back half of the story, buddy. Uh-huh. He was blessed with twice what he had. He was a very prosperous man. Hopefully you won't have to lose any cattle. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I think my doc- do donkey's already took off. <laughs> you know what I think is funny, just kind of tying into that, is that we've been hearing messages about perseverance and building oh, of character man. and so forth, and that seems to be the focus right now. Absolutely. That, you know, pressing forward and pressing through and, you know, allowing that perseverance to take root and take hold and just... Hanging in there and keeping your faith. And that's what builds our character and what God wants to see us endure so that he, we can be used to the fullest, you know, to glorify him. That's Fritz's favorite uh, verse. Yes, it is. Oh gosh. It's my love and hate verse. Yes. No doubt doubt about that. Uh I think we all feel the same about it. Oh my God. And I was given that word about maybe a month, month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. And, perseverance uh, you know haven't i been doing that but anyway you've been waiting for it mikey I, i'm just hopefully persevering and not what's how did how did oz put it in the book suck it up <laughs> yeah i guess it could be interpolated that way right that's for sure i'd rather not be sucking it up i'd rather be persevering amen amen to that well, we got some shout-outs tonight, and um, we got some Facebook likes. Uh, we'd like to thank Nicole Turner thank for you, liking Nicole. us on Facebook. 
Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, we'd like to thank uh, Keith Allen Williams, who also liked us on Facebook this week. Yay, Keith. Thank you. And uh, Shirley Tompkins Davis also liked us on Facebook this week. Thank you, Shirley. We thank you. And uh, we'd like to thank, we had um, several new people on Mixler start to follow us, which is really neat because they're getting notified right now that we're on live. Oh, and they'll be great. able to listen to us, and I, I don't have those names. I apologize, but I'll be able to uh, say them next week. But we thank you for that. We thank you for the Facebook likes. We thank you for following us on Twitter and um, dropping us a line at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail. We also have some new regions. Um, Washington State is with us now. Yeah. Well, so they welcome. Have, they have. It's just um, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, – the geographical um, places that listen to us, and I'm taking them in the order that they come from top to bottom. And the state of Washington is uh, right up there as far as one of our top listeners. Oh, I agree. And that's Washington State, not D.C. Yes. And we have a lot of uh, Virginia and Washington, D.C. listeners. I think Virginia's on your next one on the list. Um, Yep. Next up is Virginia. (laughs) <laughs> thank you so much guys for uh and my brother's there uh chris and he uh listens faithful follower we appreciate chris love you bro yes we do and then uh, next up is ohio wow mm-hmm. and uh a lot of good friends in ohio that i have uh, you ever had a cupy burger never heard of it cupy cupy burger uh, unbelievable Never heard of it. Only in Ohio have I ever had a Cupy burger. <laughs> it was amazing. When we were on tour back then, I uh, used to love to go to Ohio. Uh, was it Lima or Lima? Lima, Ohio. Always have to get the Cupy burger. The Cupy burger. You bet. <laughs> That's it. So thanks, guys, for liking us on Facebook and just letting us know you're out there and letting us know that, that we're blessing you. And if you're listening to us on iHeart, you can follow us on iHeart iHeartRadio, that's right. You can follow us. You can just search us, and uh, we'll come right up there, and you can follow us. You'll never miss an episode. We also have a Freedom Radio Network, which you can get the links off of God Stories Radio, and you can listen to Mikey 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. You ain't a kidding. (laughs) We upload every session on there, and you'll have session one to session 111 will be there, and it runs 24 hours a day. So if you ever just need an encouraging word, Tune in. It's free of charge. It's there to bless you. No other agenda since None. we started. So, well, we have uh, kind of changed up our show tonight. We had a regular live guest scheduled, but with Trish out with surgery and whatnot, we opted to take some write in testimonies that we got. And uh, like I said, we'll take testimonies any way we can get them. So you can write and us. we got them. Yeah, we got them. And you can write us at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail and um, send those written testimonies. You know, we'd prefer that you come in person. But if you can, then we understand. We'll take it any way we can get it. So I think Tina is going to read our first testimony. And this is the one that we received in uh, the Taglia. Taglia. She, she knows how it said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it came from the Philippines, and it's in uh, Tagalog, Tagalog. Okay. And um, we, it's and from a young lady named Jasper. 
And, and thanks so much to our translator. I don't know who did that for us, but it's from our someone that our guest last week, Andrew Jones, knew he when we were talking about it and how you know the translation that we got from the phone. You know, it was so much shorter than what the actual Philippine language was in the written form that I said, there's got to be something. Yeah, it went from like two pages down to a half right. a page. So um, we had it actually translated and it, it, it did change. So um, go ahead. Okay, take it away, Tina. All right. So um, this is in Jasper's words. She's uh, titled her, her testimony, My Dream. Two years ago, during my third, third year in high school, there were some nuns that came to our church as a lecturer. When I saw them, they called me and my friend because they said they wanted us to complete an activity. We followed the nuns to a hall, and they shared their stories about their duties as a nun. Initially, I thought, wow, what a boring life they live. At that time, we were shown a video about Mother Teresa, and I was very inspired by the story and how beautiful it is and how you can impact other people's lives and her service to help humankind. After the video, I was asked to join the nunnery, but I didn't want to because I thought, how boring would that be? (laughs) After a few months, they came back to us, the nuns, again, but this time they were dressed differently. Once again, they gave us testimonials about their lifestyle, and I realized that there were two types of categories for nuns. This group, in particular, was more about the missionary work, and it seemed more adventurous. At that time, I felt the inner stirring of interest. I still wasn't decided, but I went into prayer, and I asked God for a sign. I thought maybe if another set of nuns came, then I would commit. But they came to me in a dream. I dreamt of a beautiful lady that was dressed in a nun's habit. In the dream, she was reaching out for my hand, and she spoke a Latin word that I did not understand or know or remember. But in this dream, she told me, come here. Then I woke up. My sister woke me up. The next day, someone said to me, After serving me, why do you look like a nun? There was something in my essence that made them think that I looked like a nun. I spoke with my aunt and she said that there are many women who are nuns that come out around the age of 30 because they don't feel fulfilled. So go and enjoy your youth. At least you will feel satisfied and then pay attention for another sign. Currently, I'm in the 11th grade. and I attend the Christmas Eve service. We also had a rehearsal for a presentation for Christmas. While at the church, I saw a church museum and went in. I came across a collection of the Virgin Marys, but there was one in particular that caught my attention. She resembled the nun I had seen in my dream. I found out that this one particular figure was specifically a representation of Mother Teresa. I got really nervous, and then I went into overthinking. I'm thinking that this is the final sign, but I'm still unsure, and I don't know what to do, but I want to make the right decision. You know, Jasper, 
after reading your testimony through several times and praying about it, I honestly believe that if God is calling you into a life of service, such as, you know, uh, going in and becoming a nun, he's going to make it clear to you. And especially if you ask him to make it clear, to ask him to make it a very black and white sort of decision for you. This is not something to be taken lightly because it's something that, you know, will impact your future for a long time. And you have to remember there's not just one way to serve God. There are multiple ways. So I would encourage you to really, you know, maybe fast and pray about whether or not this is the right decision um, and whether or not God wants you to go on this path or if he has another path lined out for you and just ask him to make it really clear for you you're very young and you're also very influential right now and um you know you want to be very careful that it's god's will that you're doing and not the will of others so be blessed we're going to be praying for you too and uh, we really thank you for sharing your god story with us and uh, i'm going to go ahead and turn it over to mike now Thank you, Jasper. Yes. Thank you so much, Jasper. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Tina, for for the reading and just for the the encouragement. My pleasure. For her. And I agree with what Tina said. Just God will make it clear. Absolutely. I would just continue to pray, continue and, and like she said, fast and pray and continue to pray. And he will get you to where he wants you to go. So just keep on looking for that uh those signs, missionary work, maybe, I don't know, but keep, yeah, keep praying. That's right. Amen. Well, we're going to turn it over to Mike, and he's going to be reading a testimony that was sent to us uh, via email. Yes, we have a testimony. Uh, it's from uh, the Celebrate Recovery we went to. and uh, Love those guys. And uh, what's, the, what's the church? Oh, here in town? Yeah, yeah. Um, United Methodist. First United Methodist. Yeah, first United Methodist Church. Pastor Don. Yes. Um, I went there a week before you guys did just to check it out, and this guy Tommy was one of the leaders, and he happened to be speaking that night, and I, I heard a little bit of his testimony, and after he was finished, I said to myself, I want that testimony. Oh. And when we went there a couple different times that we did, you know, I kept on asking someone or, you know, he wasn't around or whatever boss, but I kept on asking uh, Pastor Dawn or somebody if, you know, can we get his testimony and well, leave it to Trish. She followed through and we got it. looks like it came to her on October 20th. Amen to that. So, um, Trish is a bulldog. Oh yes. So this is, uh, Tommy's testimony and I'm going to try to read it the best I can. Hello. My name is Tommy. I am a child of God and I, celebrate recovery from drugs and alcohol. I was born into a middle-class family in Orlando, Florida in 1970. My dad was an engineer for Lockheed Martin, and my mom was an Orange County public school teacher. I have a brother that is three years younger than me. My earliest childhood memory was of a woman from my mom's Methodist church telling me God was going to use me in mighty ways when I grew up. I was somewhere around five at the time that seemed far from the case as my life progressed. 
I encountered my first trauma around 10 years old. My dad was transferred to Germany for 18 months for a defense project. And since we were technically not military, we had to live in the community and were not allowed to reside on base. I felt lost, nervous, and experienced culture shock, all while trying to fit in with this foreign environment. It was during these years that I embraced a core character defect that would drive my decision-making for many years to come. I was seduced by a teenage girl and unable to, for, to perform. Word leaked out to the children on base, and I found myself being teased and bullied. So as a 10-year-old boy, I began my mas mastering my survival coping skills of performance-based acceptance. I grew up as the child that would take the dare, get in trouble, and feel accepted while the kids that did not care about me laughed and walked away as if they had nothing to do with it. When we returned to the States, I once again felt lost, but at least I could speak the language here. Around 12 years old, I was molested by a neighborhood man around the age of 20. I felt ashamed, dirty, guilty, and confused. Was I gay? How did this happen? Afraid my abuser may turn his sights on my brother, I allowed this to continue. I became resentful to my brother, and, and hatred started to fill my life. I began acting out and beating my brother up, disrespecting the house rules, and doing what I wanted when I wanted. I found that drugs and alcohol would sedate some of my anger and shame it, and it would also grant me acceptance with the friends that I thought were cool. By the time I was 15, I was out of control. I was stealing from my family, using drugs daily, and disrespecting everyone I came in contact with. I hated myself and I hated everyone else too. At wit's end, my dad laid down healthy boundaries and took me to a secular rehab facility called Straight. This hard nose, in your face approach was terrifying, and the first chance I got, I hit the door and scaled the fence. Determined to change my life, I begged my dad to let me come home. He, he came and got me, told me I was only welcome back if I successfully completed a program, and took me directly back to the straight. I felt insignificant, abandoned, and worthless again. The next time I escaped, I did not call my dad. I found myself at 16 years old living on the streets of Orlando petrified, hopeless, and defeated. One night after sleeping behind a garbage dumpster, I wandered, wandered into a small church on Forest City Road called Orlando Christian Center, and God met me at the door. The pastor, now a well-known evangelist, Benny Hinn, took me in, began disciplining me, and sent me to the Bradenton, to a Christian boy's home. I, I fell in love with Jesus and spent many hours every day in his word and learning about his grace. Benny had arranged for me to go to Oral Roberts University, and I was head deep in the ministry. What it did not do, however, is deal with the hurts and character defects of my past. I also did not have a support group or of tangible people around me 
holding me accountable. So when I began having sex outside of marriage, I decided I was not going to be a hypocrite. I was not going to go to church, raise my hands and praise God, and then go home and live in sin. I was just not going to go to church. And so I began the chapter of my life of controlled drinking and drug use. I drank every day, smoked pot all the time, used cocaine only on the weekends, and said it was okay because I held a job. I worked as a mechanic in a five-star dealership for years and would go to the bar every night with the guys for a few drinks. Problem was, when they left to go home to their families, I stayed and finished their half-empty glass and ordered more. My character defect of wanting acceptance was in full swing, and I remember the insanity of me spending one month on my American Express bill over 1000 solely on a bar tabs. I needed people to believe I was something I really wasn't. I had to borrow money from my parents to pay electric so I could cover my drinking. I got my first DUI in 1996, and I remember feeling like my career was over and I was determined to quit. I promised I would only drink at home, and I would never drink and drive again. And I didn't for about a month. My reckless behavior was all about fun, and I convinced myself I wasn't hurting anyone. Until that all changed in 1999, I was throwing a party at my dad's dock, and my friends and I were drinking and boating. My then pregnant girlfriend showed up. We fought, and I dealt with it the only way I knew how. I drank. Except that it wasn't like every other night. On the way home, my phone flew off my visor. I reached down to get it, and when I came up, there was a car parked still in front of me. I tried to swerve, but my reaction time was altered, and I hit the right rear corner, doing about 60 miles an hour, sending the car into a spin. I went through the windshield of my truck and vaguely remember blood dripping like water off from my head. I also recall hearing people at the other car calling for help and telling me the paramedic to go help me. I was rushed to the hospital and received over 75 stitches in my forehead both inside and out. The next morning I remember waking up to the news that a little girl had died in the accident. I remember falling to my knees and yelling at God, No! No! This was the lowest point of my life. I remember looking at the pull-up bar out back and trying a rope in a knot, and tying a rope in a knot, trying to build up the courage to end my life. Because of this tragic event, I was sentenced to 11 years in prison, four years probation, loss of driver's license for life and restitution. And so I entered a Florida prison 29 years old with a six-month-old son, convinced I would never make it out alive. God had different plans. It was in prison that God began to work on my life. I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ and started attending alcohol anonymous meetings where I got a glimpse of what recovery really looked like. I began facing those core feelings of shame, guilt, insufficiency, and worthlessness. Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. 
Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They are, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. I began working the steps while I was in prison and started finding healing through the painful yet productive process. I came to realize that freedom was not a physical state but a spiritual state and that even though I was behind the razor, I could still be free. I began looking at my time as an opportunity to improve myself and grow closer to God. I got involved with Christian 12-step programs offered at the institution, started taking fitness classes, attending Bible studies, and sponsoring other newcomers who were struggling through the steps. When the guards would come by and clang my bunk, yelling, Get up, convict. Let's go, scumbag. I would wash my face in the plastic mirror and say quietly to myself, I'm not a convict. I'm not a scumbag. I am a child of the king and I would walk to the wrecked field with a mindset of royalty. People would come to me and ask how I had hope in such an oppressive environment, and did I even feel the suffocating misery that seemed to exist. That always gave me an opportunity to witness and confirm in myself that my circumstance did not define me, and although I did not know how it was going to work out, I knew God was working it out for my good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, to them who have been called according to his purpose. I knew I loved God, and I knew I was called according to his purpose, so I chose to trust him at his word and believe that all things were somehow working out for my good. One particular step, step nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others, was significant in my recovery. This step taught me valuable lessons that I pass on to those who struggle with making difficult amends. I was so remorseful for the accident and wanted so badly to make amends that I ignored my sponsor's advice in the last part of the step and wrote a heartfelt apology letter to the family and mailed it to them. The family did not accept my amends. It was like ripping a scab off of a fresh wound, and they called the institution asking to not be contacted ever again by me. I was called into the captain's office and told if I ever attempted to contact again, he would personally put me in confinement for as long as he possibly could. My sponsor graciously told me there was another way to clean my side of the street. I was, however, able to make some amends with my brother, who would come on annual visits. He had channeled his life toward positive things and had made his way to executive director of Chicago Trade on the Chicago Board of Option, Options Exchange. One day I opened mail from him, and it was a contract. He would agree to pay for college business classes one, one a year in full if I earned A's beginning immediately. And so I began taking college courses through Ohio University's College for the Incarcerated Program. I, am fel I fell in love with business, and I found I have a gift for reading financial statements and understanding ratios. I would view business activities like soap operas and watch CEOs say one thing 
while the financials were saying something else. I started asking my dad to invest some of my commissionary money, and I was instructing him where to invest it. God was working on my life by giving hope in a dark valley. God gave me favor with guards and inmates, and I began learning AC work, then electrical work, then motor pro work. It wasn't desirable, but it beat the mo, mo squad. I don't want to glamorize pr prison. It sucked, and many times it was very volatile and extremely frightening. It was hard to stay sober with the abundant drug supply and the pain of watching my son grow up in pictures. I had two major surgeries in there and almost died once when I did not seek the medical attention that turned into extreme dehydration. But I always had a peace that if it was my turn to go home, then I was going to be a better place. When I got out in September of 2009, I surrounded myself with a support group. I knew from experience I could not stay sober alone, and I found the nearest Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and immersed myself in service. I began chairing meetings, sponsoring people, and growing in my relationship with God. I would often get in trouble at these meetings because I would claim that Jesus Christ is the only true higher power to offer freedom. I would agree that sobriety could be attained from believing in any power greater than ourself. But I would hold firm to the claim that true freedom only comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, there is a difference in being sober and being free. I was attending this church regularly, unsuccessfully looking for work, and to be honest, having a hard time reintegrating back into society. But God, again, was at work in my life. I applied to Lake Sumter Community College and was told that I would not be admitted. I remember coming home triggered by feelings of rejection, insufficiency, and unworthiness. But this time, I called my sponsor. I asked for prayer, and I trusted God. The very next day, an enrollment advisor called me. She said, Mr. Moore, I have worked here many years, and this doesn't happen. But they are going to give you one semester on probation. God gave me my life verse that day. Deuteronomy 30, verse 3, from the message, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. I took that offer in 2009, and in 2011 I earned my associate in arts degree. I then enrolled at University of Central Florida, and because I had no license, I rode a city bus five hours a day, four days a week from 2011 to 2013, and earned, with honors, my Bachelor of Science Business Administration Finance degree. See, God didn't promise me it was going to be easy, but he did promise me that if I do my part, it would be worth it. Last year, I earned my Master's in Business Administration Finance from Florida Institute of Techno Technology, and I am currently enrolled in my second class of my Ph.D. in Business Administration Financial Management at North Central University. I don't say this to brag. I say this to encourage the newcomer that no matter what the situation looks like, all things are possible with God. 
In August of 2012, I was approached by Pastor Dawn to consider leading the first group of men leaders through the 12 steps of the newly launched Celebrate Recovery at First United Methodist Church in Claremont. I was being considered because I had 12 years of recovery experience at the time. I thought this would be a good way for me to help people while they waited for God to launch me into the corporate world of finance. So I crossed that parking lot into Celebrate Recovery in September 2012 with the sole purpose of taking the first round of leaders through a step study and then exiting the program with a satisfaction that I may have done some good. What I did not know at the time was God was going to rock my world through this step study. It was I that needed healing and my brothers doing me good. As I went through this step study, it was different. We opened with song, and although that may sound rough, four men singing to an iPod, it was a beautiful way to enter God's presence before becoming vulnerable. I found through the step study that I had developed many issues while incarcerated. I did not trust people, and I was continually waiting for something bad to happen so I could not enjoy the blessings in front of me. As I shared my darkest secrets with these men, I found liberation, peace, and freedom indescribable. My walk with God became more intimate. I started seeing others as God sees them. I began to experience an anointing on my life like I had never had before. As Celebrate Recovery grew and the responsibilities grew, Pastor Don started seeing me around here a lot. He told me he was going to see if He could bring me on staff. I never forgot the day when he asked me, would you like to work here? We were actually in the narthex back there about to walk out the door. And I said to him, you know my my past, right? And he looked at me and he said, yeah, and I don't care. I thank him for believing in me. It didn't stop there either. He and Pastor Don took me under their wing and started guiding me on what leadership looked like and what it didn't look like. So I started officially serving as the Celebrate Recovery co-ministry leader on staff and was extremely grateful that someone had given me a chance. The promises of recovery had manifested themselves, pressed down and overflowing in my life. One day at a time, I now have 16 years of uninterrupted sobriety. I now own a home that is paid for. God has brought me a beautiful woman into my life that loves me for me and has accepted my proposal to be my wife. God has allowed me the privilege to speak at different venues and see many people dedicate their lives to Christ for the first time. Best of all, two years ago, God allowed me to lead my own son through the sinner's prayer during a conversation on the dangers of pornography. Thank you that, Father, my relationship with my son has thrived in authenticity and has never been better. My relationship with my parents has grown to a point where they ask me to accompany them as a consultant on behalf of their life savings and meetings with their financial advisors. What an honor. I now have solid Christian friends in my life that love me for me 
and hold me accountable to serve Jesus with dignity, respect, and integrity. To the newcomer, I encourage you to get as many phone numbers tonight as you can. Keep coming back and put everything you have into this program. You only get out of this program what you put into it. Volunteer is in service work. Clean cafe, greet at the door, bring food or snacks, whatever it takes to keep coming back each week. Sign up for one of those step studies in the back. That is truly where the miracle happens. I also want to encourage you to have some patience and grace with yourself. These negative coping skills and bad behaviors did not develop overnight. They will not be remedied overnight either. For my future, I do not believe that God is done with me yet. I don't know where God plans to take me, but I do know God graciously promotes me little by little. I can tell you with absolute assurance that God is working all things out for my good regardless of what my future circumstances may present. I would like to close my testimony with this passage from Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. My name is Tommy Moore, and I confess Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and I celebrate recovery. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Tommy Moore. Wow. Wow. Powerful testimony. Very powerful. Holy yeah. moly. I've been on the edge of this seat the whole time. Wow. Good grief. I'm. Uh, That's a lot. Really taken back by that. Absolutely. Whew. Tommy, I, I, I really don't know what to say, but thank you. Either, but thank you very much. Thank you so much. And I know uh, there's someone's out there that you, didn't need to hear that. You better believe it. Talk about perseverance. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Wow. It's kind of been the topic for, for us, hasn't it, Tina? It sure has. <laughs> I mean, uh, favorite verse. But, uh, I think it is for all of us right now in this day and age that we live in and uh you know where we're so codependent on our work status and our financial revenue and who we are and as human beings and and uh, we just have to remember that really none of that makes a difference because it's who we are in him in him and God has a way of reprioritizing your life. You know, we have our thoughts and how it should be prioritized. And then he kind, kind of comes in and says, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, his thoughts aren't things. our thoughts. Right. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. His ways switch, aren't our ways. Nope. Switch some things around. And, you know, at the end of the day, relationships with your loved ones and, you know, the people that you reach for Christ, I mean, there's no price or anything that can be put on those types of things. These no. testimonies that are that you all have been willing to share are touching other people's lives, making a difference, making an impact for them. You know, it all adds up. It all helps other people to 
desire to want to get their life right with God. And that's what it's all about. That's what we've got to do. We've got to encourage each other and and sharpen each other and, you know, band together to, to reach as many people for Christ as possible. Something that really came to light for me after listening to the testimony this weekend at Real Life. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Uh, it's Mandy, Mandy. Yeah, Harvey. Harvey yes. Mandy Harvey. <laughs> Mandy Harvey. And if you don't know who Mandy Harvey is, she is completely deaf. A deaf jazz singer. And this girl sings with perfect pitch. She's amazing. Amazing. And she did is. You, did you hear how it's done or see how it's done? Oh, yeah. I heard her testimony about how she used the tuner and it takes her thousands of hours to, you well, know. She, what she does is, uh, Jared and I were talking about it, uh, she takes off her shoes, all right, and then she stands there and she just feels it come through. Unbelievable. It, well, that was surprising to me because before I heard her testimony, I was asking Tina, there's no drums right there. How does, there's no vibration, you know, there's some, you know. I know, it's it's really amazing. It's really amazing what she does, but. Again, there's that perseverance that she has where she dedicates oh, she all this time, you know. Well, that just goes to show you that um, we've got to have that trust in Jesus Christ that, as she said, you know, and of course she went through a long trial with dealing with it. You know, she locked herself in her room. I mean, she wasn't always deaf. She lost her hearing nine years old at nine years old and she had to deal with it uh and you know knowing and having that confidence in the lord that that uh he's got a plan for your life no matter what happens and when she said you know had god restored my hearing you know it would have given glory to all those naysayers at the church she was going to one but her life would have never turned out to be she'd have gone on to sing jazz and mm-hmm. glorify herself and but now you know she is representing Jesus in a such a mighty powerful way i mean you can't look at her you can't listen to her and not feel something and not know that just her being able to speak oh my words goodness. is is a miracle you know to be able to make sound and speak words in such a clear, coherent oh, way, and not she can't hear any of it. You know, she can't hear the sound of her own mm-hmm. voice. It's, it's phenomenal. It really is. It, it's just it really another, gives hope to me that I uh, truly don't know anything. Just you know, I testimony. really, really don't. As, and, uh, yeah, as to what God can do in, no. in our lives, Mm-mm. and that. Uh, I've had this feeling in my spirit that this year is going to be amazing. Not that other years haven't been amazing, but for some reason I think the Lord is really going to propel God Stories Radio, you know, into uh, different levels. You know, I don't know that if we're going to have, you know, A-level guests or what that's going to entail. You know, Mike always had the vision that God Stories Radio would go on the road, and then, which brings up my CR comment that we were invited to speak there, and the three of us spoke there, and it was almost natural that we 
went on the road and gave our testimony as people would come here and give their testimony and hope to do a lot more of that. I really do because, you know, our testimonies are valuable too, but everybody's testimony is valuable and don't ever discount it. You know, God is writing that story in you and protect it. Everybody's an A-level guest in his book. You got that right. And uh, you got that right. Thank you, babe. Wow. A double wow. A double wow. And Mikey, I got to say, you did an admirable job of reading that. That was long. And uh, I don't think there's going to be any edits. I didn't really hear anything in there that uh, I need to edit. I thought it was great. Fantastic. And uh, I think someone's out there that needed to hear that are going to benefit from it. And if you do, let us know. Drop us a line at GodStoriesRadio at Gmail or messages through Facebook. There's so many ways you can get a hold of us. You Let us know us. it touched you. You can <laughs> twit us, as Mikey says, uh, <laughs> at God Stories Radio. We love it. We love hearing from you, and uh, we love praying for you, and we love being an active part of your life. And we just thank you for listening, and we thank you for praying for us and, and sending us that encouragement. So as you listen to these testimonies here in session 111, as they are written and came in written, and if God is tugging your heart that you need to do the same thing, please do. We're waiting. Absolutely. And please pray for these people that are writing in. It takes a tremendous amount of courage to put your story out there. And, you know, they're doing something with their lives. They are trying to help other people through their testimony and through their actions and so forth, trying to make the world a better place and spread Jesus. Please pray for these folks as they do things like this, because this is what they need. They need, you know, their Christian brothers and sisters praying for them in the, in the background there. Prayer is such a powerful thing. It really is. It's the, it's moving those mountains. Like Mandy Harvey was saying in her testimony, Sometimes we don't even realize what the mountain is, you know. We we have what we think is the mountain, but really it's our attitude sometimes that is the mountain that needs moving. Amen, and let me encourage you too, because we talk to a lot of people all the time, and we ask them to come give their testimony, and we realize that your testimony is really never finished, and um, you're going to be writing your story until you pass on, mm-hmm. but... There comes a point in time in your life where God may just say, it's time. They need to hear the experiences that you've had thus far. And you just have to be open to that. And if you are, let us know. We'd love it. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you come visit right here in Claremont. Absolutely. Or write us, twit us, whatever. <laughs> but we love you, and we thank you for listening. And thank you for spending the last 45 minutes with us. And uh, thank you, Mikey. Thank you for Tina for uh, reading those wonderful testimonies and we just appreciate you and we love you and that about wraps it up for session 111 I'm Fritz I'm Mike and I'm Tina God bless God bless God bless I stand before you now the greatness of your I've heard of the majesty and wonder of you, King of heaven in humility. I bow, I bow.
as your love.